2: so you are still listening to the we are west Ham podcast with me will pew tom edwards and james jones it's the last proper format one of 2020 as we say we will be uh coming into your no we won't be coming in your ears i'm doing that again no chance am my recording that <laughs> <Jesus Christ>. <laughs> 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 oh god's sake right we get that Hi,
3: this is Tony
2: Cotty, and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the last properly formatted We Are West End podcast of 2020. There will be another one coming out on the last Wednesday of the year between Christmas, but it will be a different format pre-recorded from me, Tom and James doing a little review of the year, but we're back today as usual in our usual setup, looking back at the last couple of games and looking ahead to Brighton on Boxing Day. West Ham United teased us all into thinking we were going to be in the European places at Christmas. But as it is, we're holding on for dear life to the top 10 of the Premier League. A one-all draw against Crystal Palace before a harsh 3-0 defeat at Stamford Bridge leaves the Hammers 10th. It's been a roller coaster 2020. This is our last show before Christmas. We're a day late just because the packed festive schedule I mean me and the lads couldn't sit down until Wednesday morning. But here we are. Thanks for sticking with us all of this year. James, Tom, uh Wednesday lunchtime, twelve o'clock. How are you both? Uh it's been a long, long year for West Ham. But Jonesy, tenth place at Christmas, happy or a little disappointed with what could have been?
3: No, nah, I think you've got to be happy, did you mate? Well I we've haven't, the... you know me. Well true, <laughs> yeah, true. I, I think I think we've got to be relatively pleased with how this how the this season started. And particularly off that Newcastle game back in what was it September? None of us, none of us expected us to be sitting tenth at this stage. So it's been a good start to the season. It's just whether we can take this into the new year and pick up some good results over the busy, busy festive period and and get some momentum behind us. But yeah, I think I think generally relatively pleased going to Christmas.
2: Yeah, absolutely, mate. I mean, um, the hat game is quite strong from you today, Jonesy. Is that an early Christmas present? I mean, not as strong as mine, the West Ham Santa hat with the attached beard. Uh, but yours looks quite trendy, that dark blue cap, little new logo in the middle, is that?
3: No, I've had this for a while. It's actually a gift from my brother. He loves his hats. Um, gift my brother ages and ages ago. Um, but this morning, given I've not been able to get to the barbers, because mm-hmm. I did plan to go this week, but obviously now tier four, so the barbers are shut. And I looked, took one look in the mirror after the shower and went, it's a hat day. <laughs> Definitely a hat day. So, um, and I actually forgot that we were, we were doing this at the time. So perhaps I would have done my hair had I remembered at the time that or, we were going to be recording. Or dug about- out a Santa hat. Or dug out a Santa hat, but it's what it is. I
2: appreciate it. It does the trick. Yeah, I like it, mate. Very stylish. Tom, uh, you obviously haven't got a hat, uh, mirror, sorry, in your house to look at and go, (laughs) because this is definitely a hat day for you, unfortunately. You haven't got a hat. How are you, mate? And uh, how are you feeling? West Ham, 10th at Christmas. Uh, Could be better by the turn of the new year with a game against Brighton coming up.
4: All good, mate. As always, pleasure to be on with you, lads. Um, but yeah, like Jonesy, I've been done by the barbers here. I've been absolutely had, and staying at my missus with um, very limited headgear means that I had no choice but to to wear it all out, including this drop, drop beard. Um, but in regard, in regards to football, I mean, you you got to be happy with it. We're uh, ten points off top and eleven points off relegation zone. I think if you said we'd be closer to first place in the Premier League come Christmas. This time last year, I think we'd absolutely have taken that. So, I mean, there's missed opportunities already in this season, but there's a lot more positivity to be taken. And I think onwards and upwards from here. And I think we're slowly, slowly starting to see a team which resembles some kind of structure and identity um, in the way that Moyes wants to build a football club. So fingers crossed it we continue to see that this year because the signs are positive.
2: Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, so the not bad results just gone. The one-all draw at Palace, I think Palace are a decent team this season. It's uh, it's no easy feat to get points off them as to, uh, it was proved in their game against Tottenham only the week before. The Chelsea game slightly different. We'll go into that in a bit, but just to let everyone know what's going on with We Are West Ham over the festive break. This podcast, obviously, as you'll have noticed, is a day late, um, but it will be out and with you. We are releasing a usual podcast between Christmas and New Year, as I've already mentioned, uh, but it's not in the usual format it's just a generic pre-recorded um review of 2020 which me and the lads have already uh recorded for you all at home so it'll go out on the usual day but it will not be in the usual format just to give us all a chance to have a festive break and enjoy all the variety of things we can do in tier four like lay on our beds and stare at the ceiling so don't worry you won't go without next wednesday there will be a we are stand podcast out as usual bit of housekeeping for what's coming up on the show today do follow us on twitter at we are underscore west ham we're going to be running a new year competition in the coming days we're giving away another huge prize so do follow us on twitter for that subscribe to the youtube channel as well uh go down to the pod the description uh there's a link to our youtube channel in the description to this podcast So scroll down now you can check out my santa hat Josie's stylish new cap and tom edwards is uh I don't know what Tom Edwards' is, is but you can look at all of those on YouTube. James has been doing some hard work in the last couple of weeks to so jazz up the channel a bit. Uh, you can watch all of our interviews with our big ex player guests that we've had in 2020 on there. So head over if you fancy it. Do leave us a review. Uh, as it's Christmas, that would be a nice thing to do, wouldn't it? Say some nice words to uh, us on your chosen podcast platform, like, rate, subscribe, tell all your friends about it, etc, etc. You know the drill. But on today's show, we've got the Crystal Palace and Chelsea reaction coming up. We'll discuss whether that one point from two games is a good one or, or is it? Not obviously a little bit disappointing in the Chelsea result. I think flattered them for sure. We'll cover the Betway charity bets as usual. Our last session for 2020. We've got a couple of games to look ahead to. The opposition we've got tom murphy coming on to discuss the brighton game uh, james is the quiz master for name that game and sandra brobby from the sun joins us to discuss the west ham women's team and we'll wrap the show up with that and the fantasy premier league update as usual so lads uh, we'll get on to the crystal palace and chelsea stuff in part two so people should stick with us because we've got all of that next So you are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast. West Ham have made a signing as well. Would you believe it? As always, such is the trademark of David Gold, David Sullivan and Karen Brady at the London Stadium. We're getting ahead of the market. Frederick Alves uh, signed from Silkeborg, Danish side. Uh, Young centre-back, 21 years of age, likely to get some game time with the under-23s at first. He said... As he's come in, he's looking to learn from the senior defenders at the club. He's got a lot of respect. We're sort of semi-blessed with centre-backs. We Obviously, the marquee signing of Craig Dawson in the summer, who I don't think has played a minute of Premier League action yet. Uh, is still sitting on the bench. Aaron Cresswell slotted in to that left centre-back role nicely in the five at the back system. But, Jonesy, uh, before we go on to the Palace and Chelsea stuff, pleased to see we've got that one through the door.
3: I think it was it was touted a couple of months ago. As soon as the name popped up, I, I remember us talking about it maybe a couple of months ago and, and saying that it sounded like that deal might end up happening at some point. So, yeah, it seems seems like a, it's, it's weird seeing West Ham get business done before before transfer window opens for once. Normally, we'll wait until the back end of the window and then we start panic buying. So it looks like it could be a positive signing. But at the same time, how many times have we signed a young, promising players and then they just go straight into the under 21s or development squad and uh, you just never see him again they might have a cameo in an fa cup third round game um and then they just end up going on loan to some random club in in europe for four years before leaving and never being heard of again i hope that's not the case with this guy because you know he said all the right things his interview on the on the website you know he sounds like he's he's excited to be here and wants to learn as you said and um if he can it, i mean It does seem like he might go straight to the first team, which is promising. But I don't know where. Well, I mean, there was no normally when they sign a youngster, it goes, oh, he's going to join up with the."
2: Yeah, it didn't explicitly say that, did it?
3: But it it just went, "He'd be joining up with the squad." So it sounds like he's going to be training with the first team, which I suppose is is uh, more promising than than anything. But it's just whether he gets a game. Uh, I mean, Mm. I don't know whether there are any plans to send Dawson back to Watford potentially, given that, you know, it's just clearly no point of him actually being at the club
2: um, at all. Um, Yeah, but there is, isn't there? I'm not being funny. Like, if, uh, you know, you only need one injury to a centre-back. Diop didn't look much cop last week. He was still on the bench for that, wouldn't he? And you'd like, it is. I know what you mean. It does feel like that while it's not playing. You
3: say that, but he's used uh, a full-back as a centre-back this season over Craig Dawson. So, in Aaron Cresswell. So, yeah,
2: but that's part of the master plan. Also, though,
4: the thing with Dawson is it means that we can't loan anyone else this season. So, with the likelihood is we'll probably actually look to get rid of him to get someone else in on
3: loan. Apparently, so it, it makes more sense to send him back. Um, that feels he's only risky. Made, he's only made the matchday squad like three times, and every time they've cut to him, I don't even think he's even warmed up because he knows he's not getting <laughs> on. And it's just, I mean, if we have brought in this <laughs> young sitting there
2: in his suit, exactly. If we brought
3: in this 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 young centre half, this Danish guy. Like if you're sending, him, if you're getting rid of another centre back, then you, you lose that risk of potential potentially having an injury because okay yeah Dawson's a lot more experienced than than this lad, but there's a reason why they brought him in and put him straight into the first team squad. So I don't know whether they send him back and then is, is are there any reasons to potentially get rid of Diot? Um, Any plans to get rid of him? Because there have been rumours that he might be on his way out. I don't think Moores rates him. Um, I can't imagine anything would happen in January, but maybe long term. But yeah, yeah, good signing. Happy with it. And a little bit shocking given that, you know, this is West Ham don't do things like this today.
2: <laughs> no, he signed a deal until 2024, Jonesy. So, like you say, we could, uh, um, that would give him a nice three loan spells at least in that time, I it? <laughs> Some yeah. yeah. Far flung corner of uh, of Europe. But like you say, I, I think it sounds like any game time he'll get in the short term will be for the under 23s. But um, yeah, if he's if he's in and around, the first team squad then you can't complain too much about that tom any any thoughts to add on that before we move on to chelsea and palace or uh, echo in similar sentiments
4: no yeah yeah very similar happy to see a bit of business done Center back is a problem area but ultimately for me it stinks of uh, cardozo signing doesn't it where, where you pay a bit of money you lay some down for him don't even bet he's seen him in the 23s and then you god knows where he is and before you know he's playing for bo of easter and the in the <laughs> I think it's <laughs> one of
2: them, to be honest. Boa <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know what? When uh when I was telling my dad that West Ham had made a sign in, he was suitably underwhelmed. But I did say, well, you gotta remember we signed Winston Reed from a Danish side, didn't we? FC Mittiland. I know they're a bit more um higher pedigree in Denmark than Silkeborg Uh, that's for sure but you never know that's uh, we have got track record with signing good pedigrees from Denmark so fingers crossed on that one Thomas we will give you a chance Crystal Palace first of all Sebastian Haller scored an absolute rocket Uh, as usual made me look a bit silly in the group chat because I was a little bit derogatory about him beforehand. I do think, again, phenomenal goal. David Moyes' comments afterwards seems to suggest that, yeah, that that goal was nice. However, the other 89 and a half minutes of the game uh, were somewhat disappointing for halle Defending by Diop, which we've just sort of touched on him there and maybe leaving for Palace's goal was shambolic. He could have fitted a bus through the gap between him and Benteke when he nodded. Palace's goal home but all in all Palace are a tough side I know it's at home you want to win all your home games but I wasn't too furious with that result how were you feeling after that one all with Palace?
4: No I, th- I think you're right mate I think they surprised me again a bit like the village. they were they were a pretty good side and, and they were dangerous and they definitely actually had the line share of the game and we were nowhere near our best but I think like we all said actually before the game that would probably we'd struggle we'd struggle playing against a team who would also sit back deep and it would be a bit of a cat and mouse and I think ultimately they they probably had the better of the game so to come back in the manner that we did without creating anything really and just sort of a bolt out the blue from Seb Haller you can only sort of take that point and run with it because um we didn't show enough to win that by any stretch of imagination in in regards to Haller I think he's a weird one and he He can he can do the unthinkable and he can put it in from anywhere but then then it's as if he doesn't even want to get in the box and get chances for himself He, he he wants to stay out wide he wants to hold up and he's too slow to get in a box and attack the 18-yard box and play between the width of the width goalposts like a top top centre half should especially someone who can head the ball as well as him can score from weird positions and weird angles and it just seems like he's shying away from the chances at the minute and I think I think, yeah it's clear for everyone to see that he, he's not Moyes' man and, and he's definitely not going to be there in the long term um, as long as Moyes stays there to be honest.
2: Yeah, more rumblings about Marco Arnautovic this week. I don't know if that's just come from, you know, an old that old picture of uh, him and Masuaku chatting on Instagram where he said uh, that he'd come back to West Ham no problem. So that old picture surfaced a while ago, and it seems mm. to be doing the rumours seem to be doing the. Uh, uh, sort of running the west around the West Ham Twitter sphere. I haven't seen it from any sort of uh, legitimate sources um, at the moment. Really, that there's any truth in that. I think I saw something this morning that David Moyes might be interested. Again, I don't really know. Um, the quality of, of that information. I'd be desperate for us to go back in for Josh King. Um, you know, I, I was I was very much, I prefer him to Ben Rama in the summer. But Jonesy, that Crystal Palace game, afterwards, you just sort of shrug and go, you know, fair enough. Because to be honest, before they got uh, Ben Teke sent off for the harshest uh, pair of yellow cards you've ever seen, I remember being at Burnley away when Andy Carroll got sent off for two very similar, where he's just a, a tall, big guy going up for headers. If I was on the other end of that and I was a Palace fan, I'd have been furious with the second yellow. But to be fair, I think that that sort of did us a disservice, if anything, because Palace were still half going for the game, which was giving us a few opportunities to attack before then. Uh, but once that happened, they were like, no, nope, hunker down, get the point, and, and it sort of killed the game, didn't it?
3: Yeah, it was a very, very harsh red card. Uh, I think even David Moyes said after the game, that he didn't think it was a red card, but it did it did probably hinder us in in the in the last 20 25 minutes because they were leaving a few more gaps as they attacked a second goal and we we were beginning to get into the game a little bit but at the same i mean this, this is the same story at the Chelsea game which we'll get onto but we just really failed to create anything worthwhile apart from Haller's goal which he kind of got out of nothing because the cross was behind him really failed to make anything of, of, of our possession, which is it's just disappointing because in games gone by this season, you know, we've not had any issues creating chances. It's been putting them away. But the last two games, probably more so at the Chelsea game than the Palace game, but just really struggled to, to even get ourselves or create any clear-cut opportunities. You know, they've just been sort of whacked the ball in the box for Haller. Haller, as you've already said, lazy, in the air, often and it's just it's just frustrating over the last couple of games that perhaps we haven't got anything out of that palace game even though a point was probably a fair result on the night I think before that we were all saying you know we should be looking at this as a as three points regardless of the form they're in so good point in hindsight but at the same time frustrating that we didn't really create much to be able to win it
2: yeah, absolutely. Tom, Chelsea, 3-0 defeat. Scoreline definitely flattered them. I don't care what anyone says. But once again, and it could be the the Hala conundrum, uh, that I think is going to clog up airways and West Ham forums and, and West Ham fan conversations until, basically until he is back on the bench or Antonio's back, or we sign a new striker in January. You know, people might be getting frustrated of that conversation now, but that those are the facts of the matter. But once again, just frustrating, you know. I mean, it did look like we played well. The the marking for Chelsea's goal, Thiago Silva, that was frustrating. Jared Bowen, it seemed like at first, had just let him go. I think Cresswell was also semi-responsible there. That mixture of mixed and, uh, sorry, the mixture of zonal and man to man marking left us open there and then two quick fire goals from Tammy Abraham after west ham had, had a lot of the ball did a lot of huffing and puffing but you can't get away from the fact that at the end of the game our shots on target column red zero what was your uh, what were your thoughts sort of overall um on the game and certainly the 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 big turning points in that
4: yeah, I think I think you're spot on. Three nil, for it was never a three nil game, and there was large parts of that where we looked like the side we are and where we were in the table, team pushing for, for Europe and having the ball and dominating and um, looking like probing. But like you said, yeah, we lacked a focal point. We lacked anything really out wide, dangerous. We weren't getting. We missed Masuaku. I thought massively against Chelsea. We lacked any sort of penetration down the left hand side. Cresswell doesn't have the pace anymore to really run in behind, and then you've got four nails on, on that side with him, which is bit laboured at the minute I think as we all can imagine and, and all can probably agree that he he's not playing the best football at the minute but the thing which mainly frustrated me on the evening was the selection of Noble I'm not saying Noble had a bad game but I just felt like by dropping Noble you almost sent the signal out that we that we were going there probably for the first time all season to, to look to be a bit negative we've been positive throughout the season we played very direct on the counter attack and we've looked to utilize our pace and hurt the teams out wide in, in those areas. And um it just felt like by playing Noble and dropping Ben Rama, it was a bit of a negative a negative thought going through Moise's head for the first time in a while. And I think that's where we lost quite a lot because Ben Rama's given us so much. Even though Palace he wasn't at his best, what he did against Leeds was one of the main reasons why we were so easy to cut through him and slice through him because of the way he drove the ball is is into his brain, the way he sees the game. He just just sees it differently and sees the pitch in a different manner. And I think by not playing him, we lost a lot. But all in all, I've seen us play a lot worse and not lose 3-0, so can't be too, too angry, really.
2: Yeah, well, look, let's get into that because me and you went a bit toe-to-toe on the group chat with the Mark Noble situation. I think you said uh, straight after the end of the game, let's get this real. Uh, Moyes signed our will tonight to be a 10th, oh, to be a 10th place to 15th place team. <laughs> Mark Noble was playing straight out of the Sammy Lee textbook. And, <laughs> I I sort of don't really agree with that. We didn't have a shot on target all game, which I don't think you can pin on directly on Noble's shoulders. We were pushing and we were having a lot of the ball with him in that team. And Mm. I think, to be honest, I know we might not like it, but it's not stupid from David Moyes to have a bit of pragmatism. It seems clear his plan was keep it tight until the hour mark. And then if if it's still close then, which to be fair to him, again, it was. Then you introduce someone or, or give us a chance to to nick it. And I think, uh, what was it? Abraham scores on 78 and 80 minutes. Mm. I know we didn't have a shot on target. But we were huffing and puffing and we were sort of pressing and we had we were dominating the game. Really, it's sort of no need to change it drastically then because those two Abraham goals came out of absolutely nowhere, didn't they? So I but, think I, I, from Moy's point, it wasn't mm. sort of going to plan until then. I, th- I think so, but I think that's not the way we've been all
4: season. We've been right at teams' throats for large parts of it. We like to counter and we counter quickly and we throw bodies forward and we put balls in the box and we we sort of get that front six, get Suchek, wait for him to get in the box. And then before you know it, you've got three, four players in the box and we, we put crosses in and we really try and go at the throats of teams. I think by playing Noble, nothing against his performance. And yeah, he's he's the player who probably gives us the most controlled possession. There's no coincidence we had 85% possession for the last 10 minutes of that half with Noble on the park. But there's also no coincidence that we lost a little bit going forward and we were a bit toothless because if you've got four nows, Noble, Suchek, Rice, there is very, very little creativity or spark that you've got there. So by adding Noble into that, finally gave more angles and he was very good getting the ball off the centre-halves and we know he's good at that and, and keeping the ball ticking. But we'd absolutely lose something in those wide areas because you also got four nows, a, a cam, so to speak, with little pace playing out wide. So so we sort of sacrificed our ambition by playing Noble. I'm not saying I'm not saying it wasn't a good game plan and it didn't work because it did. We, you're right. We did get set pieces and we were in the game for large parts. And I think you're right. I've got to look at it that way and accept that. But I just feel like I want us to be a bit of a better team. I think this year we've got a chance to actually push teams harder and to not necessarily go there and look to be on the back foot, I think we've got the tools now to hurt teams and to seriously do some damage on the counter attack. And I think by not playing Ben Rama, we sacrificed that a bit, especially in a game where they could have gone under pressure very early on. I think they were they were a team who needed to win that game.
2: I know, I know, I do know what you mean, honestly, and and I like that thinking. And I'm not, usually I don't want to watch a pragmatic mm. football team, but I think I'll be honest. Like Chelsea away as well, they're going to be in the top four at the end of the season. It's one of the mm. toughest games of the campaign. Jonesy, i would get your thoughts on this because you came in as the pragmatist at the end of mine and Tom's mm-hmm. little uh, ding dong. I definitely accuse you of sitting on the fence, but what, what I think with that is I can just hear the conversations now and it's the same after every game, you know, everyone comes out in hindsight and everyone's a football genius after the game, aren't they? Mm-hmm. But I, you could easily see against a team like Chelsea with Werner, Pulisic and Abraham. And I know he didn't do much, most of the game, Abraham until he scored, but with those three players up front, if you go to Chelsea away and just sort of go more gung ho at the beginning, you could easily be two or three nil down after twenty minutes. And then I could just hear all the conversations going, "Ah, oh, well, Moyes, why does he think he left us so exposed? Why is what what sort of? Why did he think it was a good idea to go and attack the team who are themselves really good on the counter attack? You're playing into their hands. It's so naive. Blah blah blah." jonesy where, where did you uh, sort of after it's processed a little bit more and a couple of days have gone past where do you sit on that now because uh i just think i just think it was unfortunate it wasn't a three nil game on another night that plan could have seen this seen it be one all or if we had antonio we you know we, we, we could have uh we could have even won the game
3: i see both sides uh, and this isn't me sitting on the fence mate um, <laughs> i think I think the the key thing here is that, yeah, I, I get why he opted to play noble. Completely understand why. My problem with it is that he didn't change it soon enough for me. He didn't look at it, particularly, I think, maybe five or ten minutes into the second half when we started controlling the game a little bit more. You know, we had a lot more of the ball. We were putting more balls into the box. I think that was when he needed to introduce Ben Rama. Um, I can't remember when he brought Ben Rama on, but it was probably what, nearer 80th, 80th minute, I think. Um, by then, it's what, 2 0, potentially 3 0, um, because they've scored two goals out of nothing. Chelsea were always more likely to score than we were when Noble was on the pitch, regardless of how pra- pragmatic we, David Moyes was trying to be. Um, and I think he needed to inject a little bit of creativity with Ben Rama sooner. Um, and I think maybe we'd have had a chance to maybe get back into the game before it went 2-0, before it went three nil. Because we that was our problem on the night, is that we just had no one there. You now, Jared Byram was work, working so hard, but you know, four was missing again. Um, I think he barely touched the ball. And, you know, Noble isn't gonna do much playing sort of in front of Rice and, and Suchek. He's just not gonna do anything at all. Yeah, but you know, be a safe, safe pair of hands in midfield, but that's about it. Um, and Haller was isolated up top again, so you needed someone like Rama on the pitch to make something happen because the others just weren't doing it or just you know they weren't having a good night. That was my problem with it. He just didn't make, and this has been Moyes's problem for for ages, is that he he doesn't make substitutions quick enough for me. And I know a lot of fam, a lot more fans feel the same. Is that he should have noticed sooner. We've got a chance to get back in the game. Let's add someone who can actually make something out of nothing, and he didn't do it by the by the time he brought him on we were 2-0 3-0 nil, nil down and that was game over really so, so yeah, i can see both sides that's kind of me sitting on the fence but you know probably arguing for for no more noble unfortunately
2: yeah yeah i know i know what you mean and uh, I, look, I i don't think it's the worst thing seeing him there i think if you have a if we had our number one striker on the pitch um and, you know i don't know maybe he's going to start doing what pep did on um, Aguero with Ben Rama and just saying, Look, you're obviously talented, blah blah blah, but you, I do need someone who works a bit harder in that for now style. But yeah, I think it's good to have both of them in the locker. I, I totally get what you mean. One thing I will say before we sign this section off and move on to the Betway charity bet section is one thing Noble did do is highlight Haller's lack of defensive running from the front. Noble gets up he t- like squeezes the angles he makes it difficult for Chelsea he harries and oh, he might not have made loads of like match-changing challenges or whatever but as you're watching the game if you were playing like on a video game or whatever and you didn't have possession you'd be doing what Noble was doing the whole game you you might not be winning the ball in those areas of the pitch but he was harrying and shutting the angles down which is what Antonio does Haller's just like there was a few occasions Noble like ran past Haller to like go and shut someone down or harry someone. And again, I, I people have sort of been a little bit wary to, to slam Haller and all that. And, you know, I don't want to go in on his confidence. But I just think those things are easy. Like if he was working with Noble, you put Chelsea under just that little bit more pressure at the back, a few more mistakes. And, and he didn't do that again. So I think if nothing else, Noble did do that. But look, 3-0 did flatter Chelsea. It's one of those. We did the double over them last season, so they probably owed us one. As long as we get back at the London Stadium next year, then uh, nothing to worry about on that side of things. It was Frank Lampard's first victory against us as a manager. So while he went on pretending before the game that he's not bothered uh, about beating West Ham anymore because he's mellowed as a manager, I'm sure he enjoyed it. But fingers crossed we can get him back at the London Stadium later on this season. Well, look, uh, that's wrapped up those games. West Ham are still 10th, so it's not all doom and gloom uh, but stick with us because we've got the betway charity bet section next so you are still listening to the we are West western podcast with me will pew tom edwards and james jones it's the last proper one uh, proper format one of the year we will be uh, publishing an episode next wednesday between christmas and new year as usual but it will be a review of 2020 both the podcast and west ham's season as a whole um exciting season so far lads one thing james in particular one of the biggest things that has happened this year that we are really grateful for on the podcast is the deal we struck with betway in the summer uh, in And we spoke to, to Chad, who's been brilliant with us so far, uh, to basically help raise some money for uh, some West Ham related charities. Betway have been brilliant. So what we do, me and the lads every week, thanks to the deal we struck with Betway in the summer, we are given £50 each by Betway to put on uh, a three selection bet for every single Premier League West Ham game and any winnings from any of those bets uh, go towards the three charities that we have been playing for this season. Jonesy, I'm sure you've got the league table there, but uh, for anyone not listening um, or sorry, who's listening for the first time I've been playing for the Bobby Moore fund, Tom for Isla's fight, which is of course money, which goes towards Isla Caton's fight um, against neuroblastoma. Everyone, uh, listening will probably know who little Isla is, her family of West Ham fans. Um, lots of great work is done among the uh, West Ham fan groups far and wide uh, to help Isla in her fight. Uh, Jonesy is playing for the DT38 Dylan Tombides Foundation. Dylan Tombides, of course, a former West Ham youth star who unfortunately tragically died very young from testicular cancer. We had Tony Carr on earlier. Uh, this season, giving some touching words about Dylan and in his last few days um, when he unfortunately sadly lost that battle. Josie's been speaking to Tracy, Dylan's mum uh, regularly. I've been speaking to Nikki. Isla's mum. And uh, yeah, the guys at the Bobby Moore Fund, they're all really grateful for the money we've been able to raise so far this season. We're hoping, of course, to keep on going. The biggest win so far was my whopper, Angelo Ogbonna scoring against Aston Villa, West Ham to win both teams to score, which netted a cool £1,250 for the Bobby Moore Fund. And Betway agreed at the beginning of the season to double all of our winnings for the year at the end of the season. So brilliant stuff from them. So we do want to take this opportunity to say thanks so much to Betway and to Chad in particular for their work and enabling us to do this this season. Uh, Jonesy, have you got the league table there at the moment, the amount of money we've all raised? Because it is a brilliant thing we've been able to do uh, with the help of Betway this season.
3: Yeah, I've got it in front of me now. And uh, Will, you, you've you won two, two bets with a grand total of 1,310. For the Bobby Moore Fund, uh, and Tom and I have both won one each. Tom with two hundred and sixty quid for for Isla so far, and I've got one hundred and forty seven pound fifty for the DT thirty eight Dylan Tom Bedas Foundation. So nice, nice amount of money when you take into account Betway matching at the end of the season. Um, but I think I think there's plenty more, plenty more money to be won for charity in the second half of the season. I'm sure. We've over the last couple of weeks, we've gone a lot more bolder with our bets, haven't we? Some of the odds have been pretty mad. I think we had an eighty to one shot last week, sixty six to one. But I'm sure one another. I think I definitely think there's another one, at least one more big one to come in. Um, I'm sure. So, so yeah, looking forward to raising some more money, hopefully.
2: Yeah, absolutely, mate. Yeah. So last week, Tom, I think you had the 80 to one shot, which was West Ham to win under two and a half goals and Declan Rice to score anytime. time. When that goal goes in at the beginning, obviously you've ruled out to be offside, which is a little bit frustrating because I was like, you're looking along the line. Have you managed to be offside there? But um, yeah, tucked it in from a tight angle and you thought happy days. Here we go. But it wasn't to be, unfortunately, the goal ruled out. So last week I had both teams to score, which didn't come in, of course. Sebastian Haller to score last and less than 9.5 corners. Um, it, the less than 9.5 corners did come in. Uh, Haller did not score last first or in the middle, unfortunately. And both teams, of course, did not score. Tom, you had West Ham to win under two and a half. Rice to score anytime, time, as I've just said. And Jonesy had one all. Benrahma to score over 8.5 corner so yeah a little bit further away uh from us like last week i just needed sebastian Heller to nod one in in the closing stages and i would have come in uh but no such luck but we we move we move on and we look forward and brighton coming up on uh the we're not playing on boxing day anymore are we that's been shifted to the 27th i believe isn't it so um yeah yeah the the our quest for a Boxing Day game, certainly a home Boxing Day game, goes on for one more year at West Ham United. But the brighter bets looking ahead to this weekend are it's West Ham to, for me, this is West Ham to win, Suchek and Halle to score, and more than 4.5 corners. I just fancy that uh, double. The odds, as ever, from Chad will come in in the next couple of days. And listeners to the We Are West Ham podcast and all West Ham fans are able to go on to the Betway web website or app in the days before the game under the pre-built bet selection you can scroll down there and find the we are West Ham selection so you can back these for real if you like the sound of what me and the boys have backed each week so mine for Brighton West Ham to win Thomas Suchek and Sebastian Heller to score and more than 4.5 corners Tom Edwards you have gone four. both teams to score West Ham to win and Pablo Pablo nails to score thinking behind that if uh bearing in mind pablo for might even start which we will cover in the west ham twitter poll later on um mainly because
4: i feel like he's one of them players who, when the, the going gets tough he, t- he tends to turn up and tends to give performance to remind the manager and i think whether that's from the start from the bench i think um I think he'll come on. He, he's just that sort of rat. He doesn't really go away, does he? So I think he might. He might plague a few West Ham fans' Christmases who want him dropped and uh, and nick a goal. But um, just on that as well, just I'd like to say good luck to Isla this week and their family because she's about to have a week uh, a week of scans. She's got bone marrow blood tests and uh, all scans at Great Ormond Street Hospital this week ahead of Christmas just to make sure and. Uh, have a checkup and it's one of the hardest weeks for the family i know that for a fact so just good luck to all of them and uh, merry christmas i'm sure they'll all get through it
2: absolutely mate yeah lovely words and uh definitely a merry christmas to isla and uh, all west ham fans everywhere from us at the uh, we are west ham podcast i'm sure uh plenty of fans have been sending in their their messages which is lovely to see jonesy your selection for this week please
3: so I was I was a little bit inspired by your by your selection Will, by picking two goal scorers. So I've I've gone big as well with right. two goal scorers. I've gone uh, West Ham to win, Bowen and Ben Rama to score, uh, and over two and a half goals. So um, I, I think this is this is the time when we finally beat Brighton. It's taken a few years, isn't it? But um, and I can't I can't see a scenario where Ben Rama doesn't start, and I think he'll want to make an impact, Moni. So um, I fancy those two. And Bowen just always looks like he could get on the score sheet. So, yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, look, fingers crossed. I say thanks very much to Betway and to Chad for uh, their work with us this season. It's uh, it's uh, It's been a great uh, addition to the podcast, that's for sure. And, yeah, fingers crossed we can keep that money rolling in uh Past Christmas this year. So that's that for the Betway charity bet selection for 2020. Me and the lads will be making uh, our selections for the Southampton game as well. So, like I say, if you want to back, our, if you will be able to do that for the Brighton and the Southampton game, just head on over to uh, the Betway website or app and go down, scroll down in the pre built bets selection. That's that for this year. Stay with us because we've got the Brighton opposition view coming up next. So you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast with me, Will Pugh, Tom Edwards and James Jones. That was the last Betway charity bet section of 2020. But stay with us because me and the lads, of course, are hoping to raise a few more quid next season. But it's Brighton at home. We all got really excited at the beginning of the season when West Ham United were given a home fixture on Boxing Day for the first time in 81 years. But of course, As ever, it was not to be. The game has been moved to the 27th Sunday afternoon, quarter past two, and it's on Sky Sports. Not that it really mattered this year because no fans would have been able to go anyway. But I'm delighted to say that we are joined by Brighton resident and keen Brighton observer Tom Murphy for the Opposition View to look ahead to that game. Tom, thanks so much for joining us. We do appreciate it. A bit of a difficult start to the season for Brighton. I fancied them to do all right this season. 17th place in the table at the moment. Adam Lalana come in and hasn't quite been the revelation that certainly I was expecting him to be. Just two points off of the relegation zone. But there doesn't seem to be too many people uh, ringing the bells of doom as far as the Seagulls are concerned. Uh, how are you feeling about their fate at the moment? Are you, are you worried or do you think it will, it'll be alright with Potter at the wheel?
0: Um, I think there's, there has to be some sort of worry when we're not taking points off any of the teams around us, like we've drawn with Sheffield United, Fulham and uh, West Brom um, and have only one, two games. It's just the style of football we're playing is good, the uh, potable as they call it, but We're not really scoring the goals at the end of it. We're creating chances, but none of our front four are really putting them away, including Danny Welbeck, who seems to prefer to put it wide or hit it against a defender rather than in the back of the net most of the time or just fall over.
2: As is his trademark.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Yeah, he's um, not quite the Arsenal or Man United player that he used to be.
2: Absolutely. What? 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 How did you feel about that signing? Because I remember thinking it didn't feel very Brighton. That I thought that that's peculiar. I don't really rate him anyway. Bought him in from Watford. He didn't exactly, you know, set the world on fire uh, at Watford. And what did you make of that at the beginning? I don't. I think he's. Is it one goal he scored uh, so far? But were you excited when he came in, or do you think
0: that's pretty Um, underwhelming? I mean, it was. It seems to be we we're trying to get a bit more like, experience experience in, like we've got Lalana in ex-England, we got Welbeck in maybe to add a bit more experience because that's maybe what the, the squad was lacking was people with the know-how who've been a bit higher up the table and knew how to win matches. Um, so Welbeck, it was quite an exciting one for Brighton fans considering only a few years ago we were just a championship team who wouldn't and Welbeck was at a World Cup so it's not that it wasn't that long ago he was in the England squad. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, I, I, we were quite excited because just have a, another striker, but he's just he needs to put away more chances than he's getting at the he's putting away at the moment. I think.
3: And what's the what's the general feeling surrounding Graham Potter at, at Brighton amongst the fans? Because he came with a lot of promise. Um, a lot of people sort of really earmarked him as uh, you know a bit of a you know his style of football was great, and he got a lot of promises. A young up and coming manager and. Um, this season, obviously, there's only two points above the bottom three. Are there question marks over whether he is the right man to take Brighton forward, or is there a feeling that, you know, no, this is a long term project still? Um, let's stick with him because he is the right man.
0: Yeah, when he came in, it was replaced Chris Houghton, who that style of player that Hewton was, was get a goal and just, and it wouldn't be very pretty, basically. And Potters come, was coming in to try and change that train, that changed the way we were playing football. And He has done that. The style of play has obviously improved, and we keep a lot of possession. Um, so I think he will be given a bit of time. But if they do drop into that bottom three, then I think there's gonna, and we're in there like say uh, in January, then there's gonna have to be question marks because we have spent a bit more, been spending a bit more money. So they need, they will need to start picking up points to to be the other owners to back in. But in historically, I think Brian are quite favourable with their managers in the Premier League anyway. So I can't see them make any drastic decisions yeah. anytime soon. And um, yeah, possible, possible, continue for, a, I reckon, the next few months at least anyway.
4: Tom, I don't mean to cross-examine um, your striker situation, but one of my favourite stories, I think, in the last few years of football was Neil Mopé being dropped for being too arrogant. And I was just wondering what what you actually, what Brighton fans think of him, because I know he's had patches where he goes through scoring... 5-6 or whatever in about eight games and he doesn't score again and then stories like that come out about him. What, what is the thoughts on him? Because he always seems like a decent player. I wouldn't mind of having down at West Ham at certain points but I'm just interested about the Brighton fans' thoughts on him.
0: Yeah, I think um, it's always good to have that kind of player like Neil Mopay um, in, in in a team. He's a, bit, he's a bit fiery. He can add a bit more to you. In term- he's a bit of a, more of a cult, cult figure in terms of um, yeah, recent times, but it was like when uh, we played Arsenal last season. He was the player who seemingly ended our uh, Gunduzi's career at Arsenal because after that match, Gunduzi never really played again. Um, so he's he's a uh, he's a nice, a good player to have, but again, he's got that temperament where it could go the other way. Like he's a bit like Mitrovic at Fulham, where he can score goals, but he's just a bit temperamental and and. If he doesn't, if he doesn't find his feet or be, in, he's in a scoring mood. Then most likely he either gets sent off or subbed early. I think.
2: Yeah, he's uh, he's somewhat of an enigma, Mope, isn't he? I quite like it. He sort of strikes me as a bit of a B tech Diego Costa, um, just sort of like a little bit aggro. No one particularly likes playing against him as such. But uh, yeah, he's one of those where you look at and you think, yeah, I wouldn't mind having someone like that in my team because he's just a bit of needle and gets into defenders and all that sort of thing. But like you say, it's getting to that stage, isn't it now with him where the, the actual record and the actual stats don't really outweigh the annoying disciplinary bits. It's like if you're Diego Costa, you can afford to go around upsetting literally everyone and walking around like you're the Don because he was smashing the ball in the net on average once again. So no one really minds, but looking forward to the game on the 27th then Tom, uh, how can you see it going? Because Brighton are certainly somewhat uh, West Ham's bogey team in the Premier League. Jonesy, I'm sure, uh, you've still got the stat. We haven't beaten them, uh, in the Premier League, have we? Jonesy, is that right?
3: No, it's three, three draws, three defeats, I believe. Yeah, three draws, three defeats.
2: Yeah, so n- not good record from West Ham's point of view. The one thing that obviously plays in our favor is our arch nemesis, Glenn Murray, no longer plays for the Seagulls, but um. What's, how do you see the game going uh, from a, sort of a style point of view uh, on the 27th? Yeah,
0: I mean, it could be one of those which hopefully Brighton gets some sort of result. Um, if you've got our uh, players firing and everything going well, then maybe if Tarek if Lanty's back and able to play, then that always makes a quite a big difference because whenever he plays, he's always a really good outlet to have down that wing. He's probably one of our best attackers when he's, when he's on the ball, when he's playing. Um, but yes, yeah, we haven't really got our – If we've got a chance, if our chances are taken, and we can try and not concede stupid goals like we have been quite a lot, and Lewis Dunk gets in the way of more shot, more shots, and doesn't deflect them in like he usually does, then we <laughs> might be alright. But yeah, hopefully the the trend continues and we take points off you, and it's not a, and it's not a def- another defeat because I don't think we're yeah. going to come up with another one of these.
2: No, absolutely. Well, Tom, look, just before we let you go, uh, give us a quick score prediction for West Ham, Brighton, London Stadium. 27th of December, quarter past 2 kickoff. i
0: I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say 2-0 away win for Brighton. I'll say back, well-back and a gross penalty.
2: (laughs) Well, yeah the the, uh, the penalty that's uh, every chance that'll happen because we absolutely love giving penalties away this season. Uh, well, bet I'm not so sure. But Tom Murphy, there, Brighton fan, Brighton resident, uh, knows all things the Seagulls. Thanks so much for joining us. We do appreciate it. But stay with us because next up we've got name that game. So, Tom Murphy, big Brighton fan there, joining us to look ahead to the game on the 27th of December, Gates the Seagulls at London Stadium. Tom going for a 2-0 win. Just quickly, lads, uh, score predictions for Brighton. Jonesy, you go first.
3: I'm going to go 2-0 West Ham. 2-0 to West Ham,
2: Actually, Am, no, no, no,
3: no, 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 no. That goes oh, against, hang on a minute. Is this go- allowed? That goes against my Betway bet. Wave bet. Uh because I've got over two and a half goals. So um I'll I'll go three <laughs> I'll go three one. Three. Three, one.
2: <laughs> three one. to West Ham. Like it. Jonesy, uh, Thomas,
4: sorry. Two one, two one West Ham. Think it'll be really scrappy, but we'll get it done.
2: Two one West Ham. You know what? I fancy we'll just come out and over explosive performance. I'm gonna go four one to West Ham United if- on Sunday, Sunday the 27th of December well look one thing uh, one competition that has been heating up throughout the year is of course name that game James Jones you are quiz master for the last one of 2020 and you sitting pretty at the top of the league 21 points uh, Tom second place on 15 and me on 14 not looking too good at the moment for me and Tom battling it out at the bottom of the league but now you are up for as quizmaster master for the last one of 2020 um, opportunity for me and Tom to claw some points back to take it away
3: so I've got a interesting fact for you and that is that one of the goals led to an opposition player being hounded as a cheat oh Ooh.
2: um Oh no. I know. Three three. That's correct. Jonesy. Oh, yeah. it has gone three That's three. Oh, I literally haven't got a clue. Uh uh Wayne Rooney. Incorrect, Tom. Callum Wilson.
3: Correct. He's got it.
2: Interesting ah, goal scorer, Will. Uh Enna Valencia.
3: That is incorrect. You're joking. Ah, oh, bitch. Oh, he's got it. It's going to be a clean sweep this one.
2: Uh, Stadium, London, London Stadium. Incorrect, Tom. Ah, oh, you're joking. Vitality, oh, Vitality, Vitality Stadium
3: that. is correct. God's sake. So, Will, you got the uh, got the opponent?
2: Bournemouth. That
3: is correct. Well done. Uh, <laughs> season. Tom, or
2: oh,
4: 1718.
3: Say so 17 18. Yeah. That is correct.
2: Aye, what a shambles that
3: was. He's absolutely Dude. wiped the floor with him. That's yeah, needed that. 5 1. That is a big one. I needed that. 5 1. I think that's the biggest win of the season so far, mate.
2: Why was he, what was the story behind it then, James? Well,
3: he handballed it, didn't he? And then admitted it. was it a good game. F- it was like a real, like, it was like four goals in the last like, three minutes or something. Yeah. Um, I was there for that, and afterwards, he in his post-match interview, he admitted that he handballed it into the goal. Yeah, Ugh.
4: we we came back from three, we were what was it two one down, and then until like seventy eighth minute, and then of it scored two, and then they I was literally on our way home basically before. And then they started scoring. Yeah, we were one <laughs> one,
3: new up, one new up in the seventh minute through uh, James Collins, um, and then Gosling and Aki scored just before the hour to make it two one Bournemouth on average scored in the 81st and 89th and we thought we'd won it and in the 93rd minute Callum Wilson handballed it in and the goal stood and then Absolutely. he admitted afterwards oh yeah uh, I can't remember what he said but he admitted afterwards that he handballed
2: it and he knew he very Thier- it. Thierry Henry for France against Ireland-esque, was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah pretty
4: much, yeah Boxing <laughs> so, yeah. Day fixture to be fair to him as well
2: Well, there you have it. I've got an absolute drubbing on the last game of the season. James Jones' lead at the top, eaten into in drastic fashion by Tom Edwards there. Tom on 20 points, James on 21, and me floundering at the bottom of the table still on 15. That is it for Name That Game for 2020. But stay with us because we've got the West Ham women next. So, you are still listening to the We Are West Ham podcast, the last proper format one of 2020 as we bring in Christmas with West Ham still 10th in the table. And West Ham's women are also 10th in the table. Not quite as much of an achievement as it is for the men's, as there's only 12 teams in the WSL. But last weekend's game against Aston Villa was cancelled because of a coronavirus outbreak at Chadwell Heath, which also saw a couple of West Ham's um, male youth team squads uh, games get cancelled as well. So the Aston Villa game is going to be rearranged for next year. But I'm delighted to say that joining us is a sports journalist and a WSL expert from the Sun, Sandra Broby. Sandra, thanks so much for joining us. It's wonderful to have you with us. First things first. After an excellent result against Bristol City, West Ham uh, were hoping to carry on some of that momentum into a game against fellow relegation struggler Aston Villa. But that was cancelled because of the coronavirus. No game now until January the 9th. Do you think that will be sort of a little bit of a a kick in the teeth for the girls, given the, the momentum that they were carrying into that game?
1: Possibly. I think they would have been keen to play and to keep going because... They kind of like picked up some form, and I mean, the last game I saw with them was at Chelsea, which they lost three two. But I personally thought they gave a really good account of themselves in uh, in spells of that game. You no, know, obviously Chelsea have got a lot of quality up top with Bethany England and um, and uh, Sam Cohn, really good form. But West Ham came to that game with a you know as a Billy Stewart's interim manager, and the way they started was you know lots of quick passing, quite positive, and I mean. They could have easily come away with um, a draw from that if um, Rachel Daly hadn't have had a shot blocked um, by Anne Katrin Berger in the first half. Because, I mean, they, they did give a good account of themselves for spells, but I think they would have been gutted to not have, you know, gone up against Aston Villa before Christmas. I think they would have, um, you know, wanted that clash, I think, because I think they would have you know, felt very confident of getting the three points.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and, and to be honest, there's there's been some the performances since uh, West Ham and Matt Beard parted company have seemed to improve. improved. So obviously a good decision on on that side of things. A quarter final of the Conti Cup coming up, uh, the League Cup that is, um, in the new year against Durham again, another winnable game, and you're looking uh, looking at a, a potential semi final, which would be good. But West Ham on seven points, uh, five points off of the relegation zone, just the one team relegated from the WSL, Bristol City, who they beat a couple of weeks ago convincingly on two points. So it seems like the girls will be safe from relegation and, uh, you know, a result against Aston Villa, would put them on 10 points and and plunge them back into that sort of uh, middle bunch of teams where... which is what they were targeting before the season started. On the Matt Beard side of things, a couple of weeks ago, a story of yours that I read in the Sun newspaper was saying that West Ham are moments away from appointing Wales coach Jane Ludlow as their new manager. It seemed like one that made sense, very detailed, uh, very experienced, detailed CV. Uh, Jack Collison was in the running, it seemed as well, but that was poo-pooed. What, what's happened on, on that side of things? So it's all gone a bit quiet.
1: It has. I mean, the club, like, I went to the club to ask them what's going on. They just said we're still doing interviews. But it has just gone very quiet on that front. I mean, Jane Ludlow, She, like you say, she's bringing so much experience with her. You know, obviously, she managed Reading um, when they were in um, what, what was called WSL 2, the Women's I Championship, and she was really good there. You know, helping them to finish third in the table, cultivating the and at Wales obviously cultivating the careers of um you know three very good players who play for Wales, Anne Reading, um that's um Jess Fishlock, Natasha Harding and Angerad Um James. So I mean, yeah, it's gone a bit quiet with them on, on the management front. They you know, wouldn't say anything to me at all. They just said, Oh, we're still interviewing, but yeah, and then I obviously I saw the rumours about that. Jack- Experience with West Ham youth, but then also with Atlanta FC and the MLS. But, um, I, you know, I'd imagine, I mean, Jane Ludlow has got to be a strong contender. There was also talk of Carla Ward, but she just brushed that off. So, um, yeah, uh, Jane Ludlow would be a good one, I think. But then also Billy Stewart, I think from what I saw, again, as I said, that Chelsea game, the way they played, they were, you know, it was just very positive, very entertaining to watch fast-paced, counter-attacking football. And from my my view anyway, I just... You know, he seems to be doing an all right job. We you know, it's like two games. We'll wait and see. But um, I'd be surprised if he's not throwing his hat into the ring for, for the role as well.
2: Well, just quickly, before James dives in, what, just to put you on the spot, if you were in charge, you were making that pick, who would you, would you still push for Jane Ludler or would you give Billy Stewart a, a crack? Because he has done well and the girls seem to have picked up their performances since he's left.
1: Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I... I of I mean, obviously, it's a hard one. I don't know actually. I think, I mean, Jane Ludlow's got such a brilliant CV, all that international experience, helping Wales to rise up the rankings um, in terms of women's women's game internationally. I'm not sure. i I'm, I'm sorry. I'm gonna to have to sit on the fence. I know it's not ideal. We'll let you off.
3: Simon, go on. Yeah, you go ahead. Now, I was going to say. I mean, let's say that they get wh- whoever they pick. Say they get the managerial decision yeah. right. Um, yeah. where, where do you see West Ham going? Sort of not so much the the, the short term future, but long term. they've been in the WSL for now for a few years. Rich an yeah. Cup final a couple of years ago. Attracting some relatively you know big names as well. You know the likes of you know Rachel Daly's at the, at the club, Adriana yeah. Leon, just to name a couple. Um, Kenza Dali as well. Some big names where do you see the club going? Do they have the potential to really start pushing higher up up the table or should they just, that should be the minimum expectation because I know the top four, potentially top five is very difficult to beat um, and difficult to break in a WSL, but they should be aiming that high given the calibre of players they've already got at the club.
1: Yeah. I mean the season, 2018, 19 season, they finished seventh, didn't they? So, you know, and who knows what would have happened last season if it wasn't curtailed by Covid in terms of where they would have finished, but you'd h- hope that they'd be up there. I mean, yeah, to get into that kind of top three, it's quite—it's just so competitive. And you know, obviously, you see Chelsea, Man City, um, you know, and Everton as well. They all strength and Man United all yeah. strengthened, you know, particularly up top. But you'd, I'd, you'd like to think that given you know a couple of seasons ago they were seventh, that they could get back up to the mid table at least. Uh, with the quality they have. But obviously, like with Rachel Daly and then Emily Van Eggman, for example, they're due to go back to um, the NWSL. I mean, Rachel dalys you know, I've just been really impressed with her. And it's a shame that she's not a permanent buy for them because she's just she's got so much quality and she's got a really good partnership with um, Adriana Leon. Um, but ideally, I'd like to, you know, see them go further up because, as you said, they, you know, reached a cup final. They deserve to be higher, or well, they should be higher up the table given how much experience they have of the top flight.
4: Sandra, so when West Ham next get underway, it'll be on the 9th of January away at, away at Man City. And looking ahead to that game and further on in the season, what what do West Ham, what West who needs to turn up in the new year and start putting in big performances that we've obviously missed all season, whether that be in the City game or in the rest of the season going forward? Who, who needs to turn up and be the big players for West Ham?
1: Well, I mean, it, it's a shame they can't keep hold of Emily Van Eggman, well, I, we don't know yet. There hasn't been confirmed. But when they were brought in, it was said that they were only going to be um, Emily Van Egmond and Rachel Daly would only be at the club until the end of the calendar year this year. But if they were somehow able to extend them, that would be a, a massive boost because that's a lot of firepower up top for them. Um, I mean, they're sharing the goals at the minute. Outside of those two, the goals are being shared by, um, by the girls at the minute. I just think a whole, an all-round team performance, if they could all, you know, if (laughs) if they all right across the board improved in form, that would be great. But if they could somehow keep hold of Van Egmond and Rachel Daly, that would be a massive boost, I think just in terms of firepower, those two offer them up front, plus the kind of partnership that um, Rachel Daly has with Adriana Leon in attack.
2: So, Sandra, what's stopping that from, from happening at the moment? You mentioned Van Egmond there, and she's been one of the more consistent performers uh, this season, where, where a lot of her teammates have not, unfortunately. What What's sort of stopping that at the moment, the Van Egmond and Rachel Daly thing? And can you see that, West Ham, getting anything over the line?
1: I don't know. I mean, nothing has been said by the club so far in terms of, from as far as I'm aware, in terms of updates on their situation. Nothing's been said in terms of them returning as yet, but... Um, I mean, I'd, I, again, I'll have to speak to the club and just just get there. It'd be, it'd be fantastic for them to to stay, but Rachel on social media regularly talks about Houston, and you know, I think she misses being back back there with uh, with her team. But I mean, if somehow she was to stay a little bit longer, I think it'd be be great great for the team, but also great for the um, WSL.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, look, just looking forward, Sandra, to that Man City game. Just before we let you go, how can you see that one playing out? City fourth in the WSL at the moment, 18 points. Uh, they're in that different league, aren't they, really? The WSL starting to reflect um, similar things to the Premier League in that the teams are putting the most money in. I see results quite quickly. Manchester City are one of those. Uh, how can you see the game going when the girls finally come back on January the 9th?
1: It's a tough one. I mean, if it's, you know, without, if Rachel Daly and Emily Van Eggman go, that's quite, that's, you know, two, you know, decent goal scorers for West Ham, not there. It's, it'll be a tough one because obviously City are in good form. They've got Sam Lewis in good form, um, alongside uh, Georgia Stanway, who put in some excellent performances um, at the Champions League uh, against Gothenburg for City. I I think it'll be quite a challenging one for West Ham. Um, I mean, score prediction. They can get. <laughs> um, I mean, if if they can get a draw, if they can get a draw from it, that would be great. But I, I can't. I can only see a city win. But if they can get a draw, that would be. Like, it all depends. You never know.
2: You never know. I think I think uh, Ella German, who came on earlier in the season before the Arsenal game, predicted a 4-0 win to Arsenal and that seemed conservative and the girls end up losing 9-1. So, yeah, fingers crossed they can uh, they keep the scores oh. down against City. But, Sandra, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. Sandra Brobby their sports journalist and WLSL expert from the Sun newspaper. That is our last West Ham women segment of the year. Unfortunate the game against Aston Villa was cancelled because if they'd have won that they might be sitting pretty mid-table in the WSL but fingers crossed for when they come back for the next year new manager and the girls could push on to bigger and better things so stay with us because that's nearly it for today's show but we'll wrap up with some final thoughts for the year from the boys uh, and the fantasy premier league update So there you have it. That is pretty much it for the last show, proper show of the year, pre-recorded one coming out to you next Wednesday to do a full review and a look back on 2020, the calendar year for West Ham United's team and the We Are West Ham podcast. But James, one thing, I've got an absolute gubbin. On Name That Game by Tom earlier. But one thing that I've been doing okay on is Fantasy Premier League this year. And of course, join the We Are West Ham Fantasy Premier League league if you're so inclined uh, to play against me and the lads. C N Y 6 O U is the code for that. Uh, I got 68 points this week, putting me on 853 in total. Jonesy, you got 65, um, put you on 747. And Tom, you also got 65, leaving you on 741. Jonesy, you are so confident of overtaking me by the end of the season. Uh, You've lost to me again, this time only by three points. Uh, You're feeling a bit better about your team because punching in the mid-60s week in, week out is a lot better than you were doing.
3: Well, I mean, you failed to mention the week before, which happened after we last recorded. Where sorry,
2: mate. Sorry, mate. Current news only. Where uh,
3: <laughs> where King Will Pugh got just a measly 40 points that game week. <laughs> um which quite frankly is pathetic. And uh and I that week got I'm just having a look at it now, what did I get oh, I got sixty points that week as well. So yeah, it's, uh I've, I've, I've just closed the gap a little bit at, at the top, but um, a little bit frustrated this week because I captain Salah and if he, he comes off the bench and gets two and gets an assist. I thought that's right. But everyone else just terrible. It's like Son didn't do anything. Um, so yeah, a little bit frustrated, but we go again. Um, I've closed the gap to the top, so I'm um, I'm still confident I'll catch you by the end of the season.
2: Well, fair enough mate just the hundred and six points between us now then tom uh, you on seven four one just six behind jonesy same point how are you feeling uh, going into the new year
4: yeah I'm all right mate a lot more solid i've been i've been in around the 50 and 60s last few weeks not nothing special i had 134 or something which did me in but yeah good made a big change got Fernandez in in the war of the armband last week he absolutely delivered so i've uh, i've gone and got Salarin. in this week so fingers crossed that he turns up and i've got some big hitters in there chasing there. your tail mate
2: there we go rudy eagling tops the we are west ham uh fantasy premier league at christmas this year still top with 948 points he's had that lead for a few weeks now he got 79 points this week but jeremy pike once again a massive week uh after his 120 ish point haul last week got 90 so now just 29 points between them. I'm doing all right. I think I'm in the top sort of 25 or whatever of the We Are West Ham podcast listener league. There's about 450, 500 of you in there, something like that at the moment. So do join in with that if you fancy it in the new year. Follow us on Twitter uh, and Instagram at we are underscore West Ham on Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Uh, you can check out our... Uh, Christmas videos James Jones like I said has done some work to the YouTube channel so uh, lots of stuff and content to go and check out there as well as watching uh, each show in its entirety Uh, do give us a review if you've got the time and the inclination this christmas we don't want uh, any presents or or anything else just uh flick onto your your podcast platform and say some nice words give us five stars uh subscribe to the podcast and the youtube channel do the same thing as there we'd really appreciate it if you can stick with us uh for on our twitter because we'll have a competition we'll be running over the f- Period. So make sure you keep your eyes peeled for that. And I think that is about it. James, any last thoughts from you for uh this show today, and of course, um for the whole of 2020, because this is our last recording of the calendar year.
3: It's been a it's been a rubbish year, really, isn't it? Um, but it's uh, ending on a high, uh, well, kind of a high for, for West Ham from a football instance, but um yeah, hopefully we can we can all go into twenty twenty one with a little bit of positivity, both for both for the future of the football club, uh, on and off the pitch, uh, but also sort of just general life as well. Hopefully we can get back to normality at some stage in twenty twenty one and all be happy again and look forward to, to to everything else. So, but it's been it's been a good year for the podcast, really really good. Uh, obviously, we had Betway come on and, and stuff like that, get get on board and stuff like that. So it's been fun. Uh, looking forward to seeing how how we can grow further and, and sort of get the listeners involved a little bit more in 2021
2: yeah absolutely mate yeah and a good show today thanks to our guests today tom murphy and sandra brobby joining us for the opposition view and the west Ham women's segment thanks so much i'll say to to all the ex-players we've had on uh, so far This year, we'll be bringing lots more of those to you uh, in 2021 and throughout the rest of the season. But they they are a huge part of the show. And uh, to be honest, they make it what it is because they they obviously know far more about what it's like to pull on a West Ham shirt than any of us ever would. But Tom, some final thoughts from you for the show today and the year as a whole. You obviously joined us in May. So uh, just sum up uh, before we say goodbye to everyone until 2021.
4: No, yeah, it's been it's been a great year to get on board to uh fully fully be involved in this and involve you two and see your mushes every week. It's it's been nothing but good fun and it and it's made this year. Something I remember for for a fond memories, not just uh, for everything that's gone on. And to all the listeners, I hope that no matter where you are or whatever you're doing for this Christmas, if it's not normal that you have the best time, you try and enjoy this week as much as possible because if there's a year we've ever needed this time to come and a big feasts and a few beers it is this year so merry christmas to all you and merry christmas to both of you guys and yeah look forward to next year and, and fingers crossed the pod keeps growing from strength to strength because it's good fun whilst it lasts
2: absolutely mate totally agree with you happy christmas to you two of course as well but the biggest of merry christmases and a happy new year to everyone who listens to the we are west ham podcast we really do appreciate you lot tuning in downloading the podcast every week it does seem uh, a little bit peculiar to me uh, as the the year goes on. It's something we really enjoy doing. But as I'm speaking to former West Ham players, I would have had to pinch myself as a youngster uh, for me to be doing that. All the guests we've had on this year, it's absolutely brilliant. Some huge names uh, in West Ham folklore, and for me to be doing that, and then thousands of people downloading and listening to what we have got to say. Uh, every week is really quite something so thank you so much to everyone who's been listening throughout 2020 we do hope you stay with us for 2021 more of the same and hopefully uh, some improvements to come for the podcast and for the football team next year so that is it Uh, for us from us for this year West Ham United finish the season in 10th it's better or finish uh, the year in 10th just before Christmas who knows where we could be at the turn of the new year it's certainly going to be better than this time last year when David Moyes had just been appointed fans were protesting everywhere we know at the We Are West Ham podcast that there are those listening to this show who will not be happy until the current ownership leave And to be honest, although that's not happening at the moment, at least everyone is getting behind David Moyes and his men. Hopefully, we can make some reinforcements in January and push on. And perhaps, just perhaps, this weirdest of seasons might be the one where West Ham qualify for Europe. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. Stick with us in 2021. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, up the hammers, and we'll see you next year.
1: Podcast Network.